Well, good morning. Do you have a Bible with you? I haven't asked that in a while, and that was like a slow answer. Some of you probably think, well, do I have my physical Bible with me? It's okay if you've got a digital one. Turn it on. Turn to the book of James. I mean, that's what we commit our time to gathering here is to sing praises to the Lord, to open his word, to read it, and have the preaching of the word, and uh, take our focus upon Jesus and the gospel of Christ. And so that's why we gather. If you're here and it's your first time, or if you've been here a few times, um, I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work upon your hearts, and if you're a follower of Christ, uh, to grow in your walk with him. And if you're not a follower of Christ this morning, that you would uh, have your eyes open to the gospel of Christ, and today would be the day of salvation. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you this morning here and you are suffering? Are you suffering with all kinds of hardships and trouble? Or have you suffered in the past? Are you here this morning and are you physically sick? Are you dealing with sickness and disease? Are you here this morning? And my question would be, have you sinned against the Lord God Almighty? For some of you this morning, the suffering, the physical sickness, and the weight of your sin against the Lord is like having a 300-pound backpack on, and you're being crushed by the suffering. You're being crushed by the struggling with the physical health. You're being crushed by the fact that you've sinned against a holy God. When we read the Word of God this morning, what's amazing from the text in James is not only... Is it suggested we pray? pray. It's actually commanded that God's people pray. So what are you praying for this morning, church? How are you praying? What are you asking of the creator of the earth, all-powerful, almighty God, the only one who can save? What are you asking of him to do as he says to pray and to ask as he is our good, good heavenly father? This morning as we look at James chapter 5, this week and next week, we focus in specifically on prayer. This week as we look at focusing in on verses 13 through 16, the scriptural truth we see is that we are to call out to our Heavenly Father in prayer for every situation, knowing that He will answer according to His will. Would you look with me? I'm going to read verses 13 through 18 as Uh, Next week, we will focus on verses 17 and 18, but this is all one section together on prayer. James writes this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The word of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have blessed us by giving your words 
And you have given us your spirit that we could have understanding. So we praise your name as we were just singing about your goodness, your faithfulness, your steadfast love for your people. And so we praise you. Jesus, we thank you that you would go to the cross and make a way and shed your blood that we could be saved. We ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes. You would help us understand how we are to pray, that we would apply this in our lives, and that we would trust in you, Lord God Almighty, as you are in control of all things and the outcomes of the prayers. We bless your name and ask for a blessing on the reading and the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you understand, again, as we read the word, uh, how much of a blessing it is? That we don't have some book that uh, a group of guys got together and said we should write these things. I mean, the Word of God tells us the Holy Spirit drove the men to write his words. And so, as a side note, as we look at this, this is the words of God. It's not just James writing to the Christians. It's God's Word through James to the Christians then and to the Christians now. And he asks some simple questions, and he gives some simple answers. And the first point is the first question, are you suffering? And the answer is to pray. And you would probably join in with me and just say, yes, that's what we should do. That's what I do. Look at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Again, he says among you. He's writing to the church. So as the body of Christ, is anyone among you suffering? We know that people are suffering all around the world. But specifically, he's saying to the church, if any among you is suffering, let him do what? What does he say? Let him do what? Pray. Now, the word suffering there means to endure evil, hardships, troubles, to be afflicted with these troubles. The same word in descriptions when the Apostle Paul talks about all the hardships that he goes through, James says that as you suffer the hardships, you are to pray. Now, I want you to know there's something important here as we look at the grammar, and some of you loved grammar in school, and you loved English class. It's important when you look at this text this week that you understand in the original language in how the, the grammar has been put together and the rules with that. And so when you see his, him say, let him pray, it's something called a present imperative. And what that means is it's a command to do this in the future continually and repeatedly. So James is not suggesting when you suffer, you pray, but he says every time you suffer, now and in the future, you are to continually and repeatedly pray. And if you love God, God says, if you love me, you obey me. And so you're commanded, church, to pray when you're suffering. Yet for some of you, that's, you give up on that because the suffering is so great. Be obedient and pray and ask the Lord to help in times of suffering. And it draws us all the way back to chapter 1 of James. When we pray, some of the things we should be praying for, one of those would be joy. You may say, all right, yeah, joy. I'm supposed to be joyful when I'm suffering and hardships. Well, yeah, that's what the Word of God tells me. But you need to pray for that. There's a few things we'll look at here. But James says in chapter 1, where we began looking about trials and hardships that God allows or God brings or God sends into your life for the purpose of going through them for maturity, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
And so as much as we don't want to suffer, as much as we say, Lord, don't send the trials, God sends the trials. God allows those so that for the believer, your faith would be built up and that you would grow in maturity. And God gets all the glory because he is the one who brings you through. Therefore, maybe what the Lord is trying to teach you if you are suffering right now is to pray for joy that the Lord would give you, not that you're just happy about these sufferings or trials, but that it would be, oh, the Lord is using this to grow me in His ways through this process. And so if you look back at verse 13 of James chapter 5, let us not forget that James has told us that God uses these trials to grow us. And therefore, we are commanded to pray. And we are commanded to pray in the times of suffering. How many of us, when we are suffering or have hardships or trial, pray this, God, get me out of this. Lord, save me today. This is so troubling. I just want to get out of here and get away from these people. I don't want to ever talk to that person again. Lord, would you save me? Probably for most of us, that's an easy prayer. I know I've prayed some of those things like that in the midst of suffering or trials or hardships. It's just say, Lord, will you fix it? Lord, will you get me out of this? And I would say many times I have not prayed, Lord, would you help me have joy in the understanding that you're allowing this or sending this to cause me to grow in maturity. And so I think in the midst of our suffering... There's great temptation for us to be grumpy people, depressed people, complaining people, just flat out unloving and mean towards others because we're so focused on the hardship and trouble and pain and sorrow and woe is me that we do not see God working in the midst of it and so we take it out on others. You, as a believer, must be obedient to the command that when you suffer hardships, trouble, and trials, to pray to the Lord God Almighty. Read Psalm chapter 55 this week as King David, in the midst of his burdens, he says this in verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And I appreciate the New American Standard Version because it says that he will never permit the righteous to be shaken. Do you ever feel shaken by the trouble of this world? The problems in your families, your work, your school, whatever it may be, do you ever feel shaken to your core that you can't even get up today? You do not want to go and do anything but be, stay away from everyone, and woe is me constantly. Now, there is nothing wrong with grieving because we have, throughout the Word of God, accounts where we do see the people of God grieving in the midst of their trouble and hardships. But we're commanded to pray. King David constantly in throughout the Psalms cast his burdens to the Lord, many times saying, Lord, why is this happening? And then yet you see him praising the Lord God Almighty in the midst of his sorrow when his enemy was trying to kill him and he still would praise the Lord God for the work that was being done in his life. Are you this morning having a heart check that you're not laying your burdens before the Lord? And trusting in him who knows all, the one who gives you life and breath, 
the one who calls you to humble yourselves and pray and trust him. Some of you know about the man Jonah who went to Nineveh, but before he went to Nineveh, he was on a boat running from the Lord, and he was cast into the storm. In the sea, he was cast out, and he went down to the depths, and a large great fish swallowed him. And in chapter 2 of Jonah, he's inside the belly of this great fish, and he, he cries out, and he prays the Lord, and he says this in verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Do you feel as if you're in the belly of a great fish of suffering this morning? Do you feel like you are down in the depths of the sea and all the weight of the water of the oceans are upon you? Be like Jonah. If you've forgotten, then today, cast your burdens before the Lord God Almighty. As it says, he will never permit the righteous to be moved, as we read in Psalm 55, and the Lord will bring you through that. In, in James chapter 1, we also read in verse 5, he said, if you lack wisdom, because he said to ask the Lord for wisdom when you don't understand the trials that you're going through that you're supposed to have joy in. And he says in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives what? Generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Don't only pray for joy, that you would have joy in the midst of trials and suffering, but pray for wisdom. Just as James says, so that you would understand what God is doing in the midst of this, is that you would grow in your faith in Him. Ask God to give you wisdom, because as our study in James, we've seen that He said, if you seek worldly wisdom, all you will gain by seeking worldly wisdom is more suffering, more trouble, and more hardships. I wonder how much of our suffering today is because we're seeking worldly wisdom. Those who are not followers of Christ all they ever do as you before Christ was seek worldly wisdom. And so you can have understanding that my life before Christ was suffering and hardships and trouble because of seeking out worldly wisdom. But Christian, in this room today, are you seeking out worldly wisdom on the side of seeking godly wisdom because you think that there's an answer to your trouble? Pray, as James says, as you suffer. But look at verse 13. Not only are you to pray, but it says this, is anyone cheerful? It means to be joyful, to be in good spirits. It says, let him sing praise. And this is all directed and tied in closely together. Again, you have this present imperative here. Here is the second command in this question. It says, if you're cheerful, if you're joyful, if you're in good spirits, it says, let him sing praise. And so there again, in the grammar, it's a continual, repetitive command to do in the future. So every time you are cheerful, you should sing praises to the Lord. And you say, Pastor, you don't want to hear me sing. That's why I sing in the shower. You don't want to hear me sing. That's why I go off into the hills. No, you need to sing from the depths of your heart as we were reading from the Psalms and praise the Lord God Almighty, no matter how your voice sounds. I've been, as I shared two weeks ago, so encouraged and blessed over the past few months even as this morning, to hear the body of Christ in this place lift their voices and praise God. 
to sing of his glory and his might and his workings and to give him glory and praise through song as the psalmist writes to do. It is glorious when God's people do that. What a joy to hear you sing this morning about our Savior who is powerful and mighty enough to save because he's conquered the grave. Are you cheerful? Are you in good spirits? Are you joyful? Sing. I don't know about you, but when things are going well and there's no hardships, there's no trouble, it's been a great week, it's been a great day, it can be the easiest thing to not praise God because everything's going well. You're going about everything and this person was nice and work went well and this didn't happen and my, you know, on and on and you get to the end of the day and it's like, oh wow, I, I should probably give thanks to you. But I mean, imagine singing praises throughout the day. Imagine singing praises of God just, I don't know, at the store. You're like, no, I can't do that. Why not? Wherever it may be. I understand the library is supposed to be quiet. But you can hum a, a, a song to the Lord. Is anyone cheerful? It's commanded that you sing. And you sing praise. It means hymns. Read through the Psalms. Sing to the Lord the scriptures that are given to us so we would rightly praise him. When you drive this week, when you work around your house, when you pray, play with your friends, when you exercise, when you go on that walk, whatever it may be, sing praises to the Lord for he is good and he has blessed you. Read Ephesians chapter 1, Christian, and know that he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavens. That gives you something to sing praises to. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, and he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And here it is. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what the will of God is? Open the Bible. This is one of many verses where it says, this is the will of God for your life. It does not have the answer in regards to what college should I go to? What job should I take? Should I go and do this? That's, not the, yeah, that's the type of answers we want. But we are to seek the will of God, which is so explicitly clear how we are to live and as we follow the Lord and follow the will of God to give thanks in all circumstances, the Holy Spirit directs you and moves you and empowers you and shows you the truth and guides you in all your ways. But singing songs of praise in the midst of your troubles and hardship is a hard one. But in your cheerfulness, it says, let him sing praise. I was reading in Acts chapter 16 this week and the Apostle Paul and Silas, they get beaten. I mean, like beat for sharing the gospel of Jesus. They're arrested. They're thrown into prison. Not just prison, but the prison prison, the depths of the prison. And they're in shackles. And at midnight, it says the prisoners are listening to them as they sang hymns of praise. I mean, seriously, what if every single one of us were in prison today? I mean... Think about that, truly. If you were in prison today and in a dungeon prison type of cell, shackled with chains, and you'd just been beaten, 
would you sing praises to the Lord? I mean, you seriously need to ask yourself this because it's, we're to be obedient and he commands us to do that. They were cheerful and joyful in the midst that they suffered for the sake of Christ and therefore at midnight they sang, praise be to God. And it says the prisoners listened. What a wonderful example. And in their suffering, in that night, they experienced the presence of God, the Holy Spirit filling their hearts with joy. Church, are you suffering? James says, pray. Are you cheerful? Then sing praises to the Lord God Almighty. And then he asks another question. Look at verses 14 and 15. The second point, the question there. Are you sick? What's the answer? I heard one person. It's in the scripture right here. What's it say? Are any of you sick? What are you to do? You're to pray. You're like, duh. Of course, pastor. I pray when I'm sick, when this person's sick, that person. Well, let's look at this here. This passage in verses 14 and 15 by some people is totally taken out of context, is totally taught by false teachers and heretics in this world. This week I read a whole list of children and adults who died because there were people who said that James 14 and 15 says you do not seek any medical help ever and you only pray and have the elders anoint with oil. Read of a couple stories, a 10-month-old in 2018 who died. Her parents were charged with felony murder and first-degree child abuse because they chose not to take her to have medical care that she needed because they believed in James this passage said, if I go and have any medical help, then I'm not having faith in God. In 1989, a, a boy named Ian, who was 11 years old, died of diabetes because his parents refused to have any treatment or any care or anything for him because they said it would be going against James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. A 16-year-old in 2008, his name is Neil, he died of a bladder obstruction that went on for weeks and weeks and trouble and trouble and sickness and these things, and the parents just continued to pray and continued to ask the elders to pray over and heal, and he died. And the list went on and on and on. James says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So here you are again, back to some grammar. You're like, all right, we already got the command. Well, this is a different grammar structure here. You're like, I don't know, is there going to be a test afterwards? There may be. Here in this is another command. It's called the aorist imperative. So we first had the present imperative, which talked about this command in the future to do something repeatedly, which was to pray and to sing praises. Here it says this is again another command, so it's not a suggestion to do when you read 14 and 15. Christian, you are commanded to do this in the future as a simple action. So in the future or now when you are physically sick, you are commanded to do verse 14 and 15. And to some of you, when you read this, this may have been a strange verse if you've read it, or you don't know anything about it. What's this oil thing? Who are these guys called elders? Are they old guys with beards or what? 
James does not say, don't seek the Father and pray for yourself. It doesn't say, don't ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. You should. You should pray to your Father. You should ask for healing. You should ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. But there's some specific commands here that are given in James, and one of them here is in 14 and 15. James is not saying, fire your doctor, cancel your health insurance, don't go to the hospital in emergency. He's not saying those things. He's commanding you specifically to do something within the local gathering of the body of Christ. When he says, call the elders, the elders, pastors, overseers, and shepherds. Next month, we will go into the book of Titus. We will specifically spend a couple of weeks looking at who are the elders, the men that are called to serve, and what do they do? Well, here's one of those duties, aside from shepherding. It's included in this is this praying and anointing with oil. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, when you're sick, drink wine. That's helpful for your stomach. The Apostle Paul said he was thankful for Luke, who was a physician, to be with him on his journeys. And so again, Scripture here does not tell you to ignore the graces of God that he's given through medicine. But he does command you to go to the elders when you are sick, when you are in this disease that you're struggling with, and you are to ask the elders to pray and anoint with oil. Jesus' disciples, when they went out, they did this, as Mark chapter 6, verse 13 says, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now let us be clear when we read Scripture about healing in the New Testament that the healing comes from from the power of God Almighty. There is no one man or woman in this world or in history who has ever had the power in themselves to heal anyone by any prayer or any word. The power of healing comes through God Almighty. Let us be very clear on that. So when you are looking at those faith healers on TV and they're praying a word of faith over you, trying to heal you and tell you you don't have enough faith to be healed, know this. There are charlatans and there are liars and there are false teachers and there are heretics that plague this world and want you to believe that they can heal you if you just have enough faith. That is unscriptural. It is wrong. And turn that TV off. Turn that radio channel off. Throw those boxes of books away and hold to the Word of God alone. Trust in Jesus who is our great physician and healer. So again, you're commanded to do these. And verse 14 is key when you see this. And let them, the elders, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Here's a warning. Do not think or take this verse, again, as false teachers to do, to be some unconditional promise for healing. Let us make it very clear as we studied last year God's attributes and we continue repeatedly go to and as we just read of Scripture, God always acts according to His will. As we studied last year, God never changes. He accomplishes His will, His plan. He does not change. 
Therefore, many of you know that as you walk this earth, many people are not physically healed by God because that it is in His will that they were not. Some of you do not have family members with you this morning because they have died and they have gone on to glory. or Some have died and gone on to eternal wrath. But know this. <clears throat> True faith in God. No matter if God heals or He does not heal is what is called of the believer, to have faith in God for His will and His plan as you ask for healing, as you go to the elders and ask them to anoint you with oil and pray for you. This verse also does not teach, again, that you're only healed for the believer when you go to heaven. Your soul is made perfect, and one day your body is glorified, and I mean, think about that day. Think about that day for you, believer, in the future of not only no longer ever sinning, but to have a physical body that's been glorified with no more physical pain, no more sickness ever again. What a wonderful thing that is. And the greatest joy of being with Christ forever. So know as we read verse 14, sometimes God heals of physical ailments sicknesses and disease and sometimes he does not i can tell you i have throughout years of ministry some of you can attest this as well you've seen some believers who have been healed miraculously by the hand of god some were anointed with oil and prayed over by elders and some were not and some of us have seen many believers been afflicted with physical illness and disease all their life, and they went to their death and glory in heaven with Christ. But they were never healed physically on this side on earth. So again, let us know healing is according to the will of God. We're commanded to be obedient to do these things, to ask for prayer and the elders to pray. Look at verse 15. And the prayer of what? What's it say? The prayer of what? Faith. Will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Again, this verse has been taught wrongly. False teachers making a huge deal of this. <clears throat> if you have enough faith... This verse tells us that you will be healed. Or if that elder praying for you has enough faith, then you will be healed. And then they tell you, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith, so send me more money because you're trusting in God. And then maybe you'll be healed. And as they lie to you and you're in agony and you're like, God, why am I not healed? This guy, this lady on the screen are telling me if I have enough faith, I send a bunch of money, I have more faith in you, how come I'm not healed? Again, run from those people. Expose them with the word of God. Reject false teaching and lies that come from the father of lies who is Satan. And don't send them any money. <clears throat> James says the prayer of faith is not offered by the sick person. 
It doesn't mean that you don't pray. The prayer of faith here is by the elders of the church. <clears throat> and I could hear it now. What if I go to the elders and I ask them to pray and anoint with oil and faith and no healing happens? Did, was there one elder who didn't have enough faith? What went wrong, Lord? Are they at fault? I don't want to have my hope raised, so I'm not going to go and call and be obedient and ask the elders to pray over me and anoint with oil. <clears throat> Again, the faith is in God, not the person praying or not the elder who's leading or the elders who are leading. The prayer of faith does not mean that you're putting faith in the physical healing, even though that's what's being asked for. You're putting your faith in the Lord God Almighty. You're putting your faith in the fact that God is sovereign and that He rules over all and He knows all and He has the power to say the word and heal you and He has the power to say the word to end your life. You're placing your faith in His control and His sovereignty and you're following after Him. <clears throat> Some of you would agree with me that the Apostle Paul is a great man of faith. When you read through the letters that he sends that he is a great man of faith, yet he had a, a guy with him of another believer. His name's Tro Trophimus. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says he left him sick at Miletus. And it's like, wait, Apostle Paul, the Lord used you to heal this guy, to bring this guy back to, from death to life, and you left Trophimus in Miletus sick? What is wrong with you? Well, it was clear it wasn't according to the will of God for Trophimus to be healed. I would have no doubt that Paul probably played, prayed for Trophimus. He called for the people to pray for him. Maybe the elders there prayed for him, but he left him there sick. Did the apostle Paul not have enough faith? Do you see where this is going, church? Do you see that this is not only just taught from the world, but this is what goes through our minds at times. Oh, Lord, I just don't have enough faith. Lord, I confess enough sins to you. I mean, we'll look at confession of sin here in a minute. But some of us are like, I'm not healed because I, I have, oh, I forgot that sin back in 1989. Lord, forgive me. Now will you heal me? Do you see how we lie to ourselves and we trust in man's power and not in God's? And we don't trust in his will that maybe, Lord, you don't want to heal me of this because you want me to learn more patience and you want me to learn more trust in you and you want me to learn that you are my great provider and you want me to learn this. <clears throat> Do not forget, brother and sister in Christ, you have been adopted by our Heavenly Father and the scriptures are clear that he loves his adopted children. He cares for his adopted children. He meets your needs when you don't even know that you have them. He is a good, loving, caring father who has prepared an inheritance for you that's waiting for you. So when you want to doubt your heavenly father because of the physical ailments and the troubles and sufferings that you're in, you must cling to the cross of Jesus and be reminded of his grace and love and that God the Father loves you. He will not lose you. He will bring you through and one day you will stand before him without any sin, holy, spotless, and with a glorified body, no more sickness, no more troubles, no more tears. Church, he loves you.
Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have not read of the Apostle Paul's troubles <clears throat> and hardships and sufferings he went through, it would be good for you to read through the book of Acts and see not just him, but the other apostles, the other followers of Christ. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. So to keep me from being conceited, maybe that's a reason why the Lord allows suffering and hardship and sickness for us. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness, the revelations, a thorn, a greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Have you ever pleaded with God for a sickness, a trouble uh, to go away? You're like, I pleaded more than three times. But he said to me, my grace sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Church, can you say that this morning? Can you be content with every weakness in your life, every insult that comes against you? Can you be content with every hardship between now and the day you see Christ? Can you be content with any persecutions that happen now or will come and any calamities? Can you agree with the Apostle Paul that God's grace is sufficient, His forgiveness at the cross, His uh, adoption of me into His family through faith in Christ alone is sufficient enough for me? I don't like suffering. I complain about the fact that my hand has been hurting every day for months. I thought about this week. I haven't done what the uh, Word of God says. I tore a ligament, had surgery, <clears throat> going along every day with therapy. I haven't asked our elders to anoint me with oil and pray. Pastor, you disobedient pastor. I was like, I, it just hit me. Last night I was like, oh my Lord, I haven't been obedient in that. And I, I think, this is my thinking, and maybe there's one other person that thinks this way, but I'm like, oh, I've asked everyone to pray. It's on the prayer list. The prayer list has got to answer, right? I'm like, I've asked my family. I've asked other people to pray. Um, it's, you know, it's, just, it's not a very big deal. It's like, oh, I never even thought that. So the Lord was like, why haven't you? You should do that. <clears throat> but God's grace is sufficient to us that we would suffer well. Look at verses 15 through 16. <clears throat> the question that I put in the third point is, have you sinned? Pray. 
James says this in verse 15, and if he has committed sins, again, it's speaking of the person who goes to the elders and asks for prayer, says he will be forgiven. Now let us be clear that no man or woman in this world can forgive you of your sins against God Almighty. We can forgive one another, but I can't forgive you of what you've done against the Lord God Almighty. This is not a confession to a priest, what he's talking about. Isaiah chapter 43, the Lord God Almighty says this in verse 25. God says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. That is key. For God's own sake. It says, and I will not remember your sins. What a wonderful verse. God alone is the one who can forgive me of my sins that I've committed against him. And it says he does it for his own sake and my benefit. In Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. His friends bring him. And it says this in verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That is the key. God Almighty, Jesus Christ, is the one who can forgive the sins that you committed against him. Jesus went on to heal him. Told the man, pick up your mat and go home. But Jesus forgave him of his sins. And so know this as we look at this here. All sickness and disease exist because of Genesis chapter 3. When Adam sinned in the garden and the fall came upon this earth, this creation that was, it was created perfectly, this universe, mankind, perfect, fell, leading to sickness and disease. Job chapter 2, Satan was allowed by God to afflict Job physically, and put sores upon his body from head to toe. God allowed it to test Job. And if you read all of Job, and you see at the end, God shows him his greatness and glory and corrects Job. We also know that sickness that a person has can be afflicted by God. Some people say, that's why I don't believe in God. That's horrible. Read 2 Kings chapter 15 this week. King Jeroboam, who said that he did a lot of right things to the Lord, but he still left some of these places of worshiping false gods up. It says that God afflicted King Jeroboam with leprosy, where your skin rots off of your body. And there was a reason for it. Read 2 Kings chapter 15 this week. But God afflicted him with leprosy. So understand this. God allows, God afflicts, Every time, I mean, many times we want to blame Satan and the demons. They, oh, they afflicted me with these sickness. Well, it may not be. In Job's case, Satan was allowed to do so. But also understand this as we read James. Understand this, that all sickness and disease is not because of personal sins. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Again, Jesus heals. And says in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Again, never seen. I mean, imagine the glory of this healing for this man. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man 
were his parents that he was born blind? Because people believe that things like this happen because either the boy sinned or the parents sinned. Somehow they sinned. And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's so God would get the glory when Jesus healed this man born blind. Do you understand? Do you dare embrace the truth that your sickness, your disease, your suffering is allowed by God so that his glory can display in this world by either healing you or by in his work that he brings you through the trials, whatever it is, but it's that God's glory would be displayed. If we're healed, brought through the suffering, It's for our benefit, our good, but he says all of it's for God's glory. I pray, and one of the things I've prayed for this week, that as you read this passage, as you look at it, that you would have a greater understanding in these areas of your suffering and in your sickness and what you pray for and how you pray and how you ask others to pray. And so some sickness may be testing. It could even be discipline from the Lord God Almighty. <clears throat> Jesus warned a man in John 5 not to sin anymore. And it says this in John five fourteen. After Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, We commit sins that sometimes lead to sickness and health because that's the outcome of the sins that we commit. He healed this man. He says, don't sin anymore. Sometimes maybe a a continued area of sin is God's discipline and bringing back that sickness or a sickness for that. But again, I hope that God is showing you through these scriptures that you can't just have one answer for all this when scripture tells us So much about prayer and what we ask for and healing and how God does it and how he helps us in suffering. It does say back in James, turn back there. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16 says, therefore, what does it say to do? What's it say? It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Again, your brother and sister in Christ cannot forgive you of your sins against God. If you sin against them, they can grant you forgiveness from them in their heart. But confession of your sins to a brother or sister in Christ is a very good and beneficial thing according to the Word of God. As you do that, accountability is brought. Encouragement is brought. Because we all continue to battle with sin even after we have faith in Christ for salvation. In the short book of James alone, he's told the church, not the non-Christians, he's told the church, you have the sins of favoritism in your church, gossip in your church, slander in your church, complaining in your church, and he calls them all away from those things. And so we know that believers still sin, and it brings division in the church, and in one sense, unhealthiness into the church. And therefore, When a person, a believer in the body of Christ is unrepentant of sins, they don't want to confess their sins to the Lord or to a brother or sister in Christ. It may, as the text here, hinder physical healing. 
Are you holding on to any unforgiveness this morning? Do you have any unconfessed sin before the Lord God Almighty? Do you need to find a brother or sister in Christ afterwards to pray with and say, I need to confess these things. I've confessed the Lord, but I need to get this out. And I, 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 I know that the Lord forgives me. Would you just pray for me? Would you hold me accountable? Ask me about this struggle in my life. And it says in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think I put it in the bulletin at the bottom of the notes, but I want you to read for next week in preparation for when we gather 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19 because we'll look at Elijah who's a man just like you and I who prayed fervently and God worked powerfully as verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. God hears the prayers of the righteous. He listens to the prayers of his people. I had a whole sheet of scripture to read to you, and I, I'm like, I don't have the time of that, but let me tell you four verses here. Proverbs 15, verse 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Just like James chapter 5, verse 16. Proverbs 15, the same chapter, verse 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. If you are a follower of Christ, you've been adopted by God, you have been given the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, righteous brother or sister in Christ who continues to battle with sin, pray to the Lord God Almighty and he hears and he answers with a yes or with a no, all according to his will. Proverbs 28, verse 9, it says, If one turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The Lord God Almighty listens to the prayers of the righteous. He does not give any attention and does not listen to the prayers of the wicked. And we can rejoice and give thanks because the wicked want to take out God's people. And so we bring this to a close. And I ask you again, what do you pray for, church? Are you being obedient to the commands of Scripture are you suffering in hardship and trouble and praying? Are you sick? Are you asking the elders to pray for you and anoint with oil? Are you cheerful? Are you singing praises to the Lord God Almighty for what he has done to deliver you from the sentence of death? Call out to your heavenly Father in prayer for every situation, knowing that he will answer according to his will. One of the things I reflected on this week is that when you read the Old Testament, God's people did not have access to God how the believer does now. 
the people of God would go to the temple. And in the holy of holies is the place where the Spirit of God dwelt. And you would have the Jewish men in an area, the priests that could go into this area, a priest once a year that could go into the holy of holies. And outside the Jewish men, then you would have the Jewish women. And then you would have the court of Gentiles, those who wanted to follow after God. And they all worshiped at a distance far away from God, trusting on this priest that would go in once a year, carrying a blood sacrifice so that for a year the sins of the nation, the people of God would be passed over. But today, for the believer, prayer is so different because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Jesus Christ is the one who went into that place His blood offering as a sacrifice for His people that their sins would not just be covered, but they would be removed, as we read in Isaiah, that they would be forgotten and that He would give His righteousness to clothe you, His brother, sister in Christ, in the righteousness of God. So that when God the Father looks down, He sees His Son's righteousness, He sees you. It's like that passage in Ephesians that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, it says, but God, I love that passage. It's like you're hearing about how dreadful your life is before salvation and all of a sudden it says, but God. God loved his people so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross in their place for their sins to save them from their sins that through faith in Christ alone that they would be saved And when Jesus Christ died on the cross in the temple, this huge veil that separated everyone from the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, becoming a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ has torn down that veil so that you, through faith in Christ, can enter in the Holy Spirit of God living in you. God hears your prayers, Christian. And he does answer it, either with a very clear yes or a very clear no. It may not be immediately. It may be over time. You may go, oh, Lord, I prayed for that 20 years ago, and I see now how you answered it. Lord, you have not answered this in the way I want, but I will accept it because your grace is sufficient for me. Christian, rejoice this morning that he hears your prayers, that he answers your prayers with a yes or no, and sing your praises to him, and pray and ask him for help in the midst of trouble. And if you are not a follower of Christ, and you've come into this place thinking that God is a God who can just be brought out when you want him, he can do this or that whenever you ask him, you can control him, command him, I pray that this morning that you've been humbled, and you would know that the the creator of the universe, God Almighty, who allows you to breathe right now, is the one who says, believe in Jesus Christ, crucified for the sins of his people, risen from death to life, who's ascended to heaven, is ruling and reigning, and one day he's returning. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that Christ was raised from death to life, and you will be saved. Would you pray with me?